Good morning. It's a blessing to be together this morning, to gather as Christians, to be able to worship with one another, to study God's Word, to be able to sing together and pray together. I thank God for the Lord's Day. It's always a blessing. And we need to always make the first day of the week a priority for our gathering. This is where we gather so much strength, encouragement we need for the rest of the week. We need one another. We need to rely upon one another, and that's what the Scriptures teach us to do. There's no better place for you to be this morning than right here in the assembly, gathered in in the Lord's name. I want to also uh, remind us that we're starting a new reading list for our New Testament for the year. And we're reading about uh, five chapters a week. We get together on Wednesday night to have discussion on that. So pick one of those up out there. This week we'll be reading Matthew uh, chapters 1 through 4. It's about five chapters a week. So we're starting out with four. And next week we'll do three. So we start off pretty easy. But we'll have a great discussion on the Gospel of Matthew. It is a, a blessing to be able to study the Bible in this way. We've already read through the New Testament together before, a year ago. And we're going to do it again. And it's a wonderful thing. So I encourage you to be a part of that, to commit yourself to reading the scriptures and reading at least five chapters a week. I want to definitely welcome our visitors. We have a number of guests with us this morning. Glad that you're with us. And God bless you uh, on your way home, or if this is your new home, um, welcome. It's a good thing to have you. We love having our guests with us this morning. This morning, we're going to not study the book of Revelation. All right, so last month, we, we went through Revelation uh, for seven, seven, there are not seven Sundays in August, is there? All right, there's five Sundays in August. For five Sundays, we went through the book of Revelation so that your mind felt like it was going to explode, taking all that information in. Uh, but it is a good thing. This morning, we're going to look at something a little bit different, um, a lot more for application. So if you're a Bible, our exposition's coming from Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 11. Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 11. Uh, we will read through those scriptures. We're going to have great discussion on this. And I intend to build this into a series. I haven't set out ahead of time exactly how many lessons to do, but already Cohen had our reading this morning where he read from Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 and 17, which we're going to look at again uh, in connection with the book of Romans. And we're going to continue to hit on this subject right here on freedom from sin, what the scriptures have to say, where we get our strength from, uh, we know where we get our strength from, to overcome sin and those things that tempt us. So we're going to look at that subject of freedom of sin this morning. It is a great blessing. I think you'll get much from this study. And whether you have been a Christian a little while or a long time, uh, mature or immature, you need this study. You need to look at it again and look at what we're going to read here in the book of Romans. So before we do that, I ask that you pray with me. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace, your mercy upon us that you give us every day. We thank you for the forgiveness of sins that's through Jesus Christ. We thank you that he rose again from the grave to give us eternal life. And we look forward to that day of the resurrection. Father, we ask your blessings upon us this morning, upon our hearts and our minds, that we now be focused upon your words, that we take from you the strength that you offer to us. But Father, we continue to go on to encourage others to build one another up. We thank you for the Bible. We thank you for your word. And Father, again, we ask your blessings upon us now as we study it, that we rightly handle the truth. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So we get to read and study Romans chapter 6 this morning. And I love this chapter. I love these scriptures here. And I love to get into them. It's a blessing that through the week I get to get to focus on scripture and to deeply study them. And I hope that you are doing that same thing uh, throughout the week, that you are reading through the Bible. 
And again, I encourage you to do that with us. But here's the truth of what we're going to see here in the book of Romans. Blessed are those who've died, who've been buried, and risen to the newness of life that's in Christ. Because the scriptures say you're free from sin. You've been freed from sin. Your sins have been washed away, every single one of them, according to Colossians 2 and verse 13. When you've been baptized into Christ, you've died of that old person. And it's God that does the work, and he raises you up in the newness of life. In fact, we read in Romans chapter 8 that Christ has condemned sin in the flesh. He's brought it to an end. And it's because of this, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, which is the gospel, or the first importance of the gospel, we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, that is the gospel that saves us. This is the way in which we have freedom. And I thank God for this. When I read passages like this, I get excited. I have joy. And I thank God for it. Because these passages here in Romans tell us those blessings of God's grace and what He's given to us. Uh, Richard, this morning, I didn't know that he was going to be reading from Romans chapter 5, but you picked the perfect passage again to be reading for us and to instructing us and giving us a background of the things that we're going to be going to and looking at in the book of Romans and specifically in chapter 6. And I tend to next week to get into chapter 7 and chapter 8. We're going to look at some of the things that are spoken of there in regards to sin um, and our freedom that we have as Christians. So let's get to our exposition. Let's open our Bibles. We're going to Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 11. As we go through it, I want to make some observations, take some notes as you're going through it. As you do that, I believe it will help you to better understand what we're reading and to take it in a different way and see things you haven't seen before. So let's go to Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 11. This is what we read. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. And we know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. For the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Beautiful scripture. What do we just read there? You take in and take some notes there. Did you notice what we're reading there? Here's some of my observations here from the text. Give us a good review. We see that those who are saved are saved from sin. We see from the context it's by God's grace. It's from Romans chapter 5. And the whole point here is that we cannot continue in sin. We've been saved from sin, so therefore we don't go back to it. That's what we've been saved from. We don't, we don't be, we're not saved from sin to go back and live in it. What we also see here is that believers, repentant believers, have buried the old person. And they're buried in this, and they are united with Christ. There is a unity with Christ when you believe and you're repentant and you have been baptized. You're united with Him in His death to rise and live in newness of life. This is where God's power comes in. His ability to set us free, to give us conquest and victory over death is right here. And it begins with that faith, and it begins with baptism. 
And I don't see how anybody can miss this point here in the Scripture. That this is when the Christian life begins. When God raises us to the newness of life. Those who are united with Christ, as we've been reading here, are united in His death, in a death like His. They will be also resurrected like Christ. So that the body of sin will come to nothing. And so we have the hope of resurrection, but already we have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us, giving us life, 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 11. And by that life, uh, we no longer have to obey sin. We don't need to live in it anymore. We have the purity of God. We have the presence of God. We have the strength of God with us at all times. And we're going to read more about that as we continue to study. Notice this as well, what we read from Romans chapter 6, 6-7. through 7. Death with Christ. This union in the death of Christ was through baptism, and it sets believers free from enslavement to sin in the body. And that's something to think about there. Those who are living in sin, and some, many believers after baptism, they give in to temptation. And what we read here in the Scriptures is that sin gets into the flesh. Why? Because the body is weak. If God made the body to where no matter what you decided in your head to do, whether you wanted to rebel against God or not, the body was just going to obey Him, you would be lacking free will. God gives you a body. And yet at the fall of man, our bodies are weakened. Our bodies are weakened. And so when we have given in to sin and we give in to temptation, we can have this enslavement that comes where sin is embedded in the body and it lives and dwells within us. And what we're going to look at next week, in Romans chapter 7, we read about this. It says the thing that we don't want to do is what we do, and the thing we do want to do is, not, is what we don't do. Who's going to deliver us from that? And so Romans chapter 7 concludes, thank God, because Christ will deliver us from that. And He has brought an answer for this. And so from the very beginning here, Paul is establishing, listen, you can't go back to sin. You can't continue in it. You've been set free from it. You have died with Christ. You've been buried with Him. You've risen to the newness of life. You need to live in a new way. And you need to have your mindset in this way. You need to present yourself as an instrument to God, as a slave to God, as a servant to God. Because this right here is needed so that you don't allow other sins to come into your life. As we read later in the book of Romans chapter 7, we see that lawlessness leads to more lawlessness. And actually, I think that's in Romans 6. Lawlessness leads to more lawlessness. You give in to sin, and other things are going to come in. And so I think a lot of people can relate to this, this idea of sin enslaving them and being a burden within, within them and being within their flesh. And you continue to see that throughout. It's within the body. It's in the flesh. So that those who are struggling with this, they're compulsive to continue to do this sin. All right, so Romans 6, verses 8 through 9, another observation there. Dying with Christ is for the purpose of being resurrected like Him. And again, we're released from the dominion of death. This is all part of God's grace. And for this reason, the baptized believer must consider oneself dead to sin and alive to God. Do you think of yourself that way? I am dead to sin, but alive to God. Now, some would say, I want to be dead to sin. And I want to be alive to God. But I struggle with it. I have things in my life and temptations I don't know how to get rid of them. It's just like what I read about in Romans chapter 7. The thing I want to do, I don't do. And the thing that I don't want to do, that's what I do. And I keep on sinning, and it seems compulsive. And you might be thinking right now, some of us struggle with different sins. There might be something on your tongue, the things that you say. Maybe you slander others. Maybe you use profanity. Maybe there's, there's anger within your flesh. A wrathful anger. There are other sins, sexual sins, temptations, things that get into us. In fact, there's a list of these things we're going to look at in the Scriptures, and I'll bring them up in a moment. So again, I ask you the question, are you dead to sin 
and alive to God. And that's going to be the main message this morning. And what we see in Romans chapter 6, are you dead to sin? And the beautiful thing is, is God gives us the power and He gives us the strength to be able to do that. He does. And as Christians, we need to discipline ourselves in this. We need to find that strength and use it. I remember when I was first baptized, and the first time I partook of the Lord's Supper, I had a strength within me. I haven't let go of it since then. I keep thinking about it. When I read the Scriptures, I'm strengthened by God. I'm strengthened by His Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 16. By the basis of the Scriptures. So as we think about these things, the strength that God has given you is there. But we need to use it. You need to learn how to use the sword of the Spirit to be able to use the armor of God that God has blessed you to have in Ephesians chapter 6. So this morning we want to ask these questions. Have you ever struggled with sin? You know, I hear some will say, I'm struggling with the sin. I just lose control. I don't know what to do. I pray about it and I read Scripture, but I continue to do it. Something's wrong. Yes, something is wrong. And so as Romans tells us, and Paul goes on to explain, he gives us a basis for this. He says, I don't want you to go back into that. Don't give in to sin because then the sin by sinful passions will be corrupted and you'll have this sin dwelling and living within your own bodies. In Romans 6 and verse 11, we see this. He says, because you are dead to sin and alive to God, he says, do not let sin rule in your mortal bodies. That's the command. Don't let it rule you. Don't let it control you. Don't let it take power over you. Okay, I, I see that, Paul. I got the instruction, but how do I do that? Paul's going to tell you. You want to skip ahead and read ahead? If I ever lose you, go over to Romans chapter 8. Read verses 1 through 17. You start to take that in. Romans 8 and verse 5 says you need to set your mind on the Spirit to do the things of the Spirit. But if you set your minds on the, on the flesh, you're going to do the things of the flesh. Romans 8 and verse 13 says that by the Spirit, you are to put to death sin in the body. Romans chapter 8 at the very beginning, it says Christ came in the likeness of sinful flesh. He came in the likeness of it. Not that He had committed sin, but He came in the likeness of it because the flesh is weak. Jesus teaches us that. And we need to be aware of that. When we give in to temptations, we're opening ourselves up to more than just a one-time thing. This is something that can enslave me, can captivate me, can take control of my life. And ruin it. So what happens when you fail? And now sin is living in your flesh. Again, the Scriptures say the flesh is weak. And a lot of us will try to control it on our own. You ever known someone who's been addicted to something? And I, I remember as a, as, a, as a kid growing up, I would hear so-and-so is having a hard time. Somebody in my family, they're addicted to this drug. Well, why don't they just quit? Why don't they just stop it? It always was a puzzling thing to me. But I think what we're seeing here is the things that get within you. So there's various sins here. And in Galatians, you get a long list of their works of the flesh. And it says, and likewise. So this is not everything that goes on that list. But in Galatians chapter 5, 19 through 20, it says the works of the flesh. And this will come back in uh, to what we want to do when we want to walk in the Spirit. That's what Galatians 5, 16 says. So in Galatians 5, 19 to 21, this is what we read about sin dwelling in the flesh. We read about sexual sins. Various ones, different words there. Adultery and fornication and lewdness and sensuality. We read about uh, the worship of false gods that, that gets into the body and it becomes a work of the flesh. We read about 
with a Greek word there, it's translated sorcery in my translation, but it's the Greek word pharmakeia. I would imply here that it also involves drug use. Uh, we have other things that describe their hate and strife and division and wrath and anger. Are these things that get within your flesh that you, be, you become burdened with, that you find there's things in your life that you can't control yourself even though you try not to? Maybe it's the fact that there's rivalry within you, maybe between others, uh, between your neighbors or those family, family members. Maybe it's drunkenness. Drunkenness becomes a work of the flesh. It gets embedded. It lives within us. Wild parties. And then it says, and the like. There are a lot of things there that can burden us, that can captivate us. So we're going to go to Romans, and let's continue to read here what Paul tells us to do with the instructions we have from the apostle. Romans 6, verses 12 through 14, this is what we, we read. Let not sin therefore reign. Don't let it rule in your mortal body. To make you obey its passions. Now wait a minute, it sounds like I don't have free will there. Well, if you have given in to the temptation and it becomes compulsive. And what we read about here in the scripture, it takes control of you. And yet Paul still says you have the ability. And that ability is not because of you just simply um, by your own willpower doing this. This is by God's grace that God has given you power. He's given you a way to overcome sin. I wonder about those who try to overcome these sins without God. They try to move these things and move them out. And so they'll go for periods of time where they can abstain from it, but eventually give in to it. So Paul, I think the answer here again is what Paul is saying here. So Paul continues to say, he says, do not present your members. That's the members of your body to, to sin as instruments for unrighteousness. Why? Because the sin can get in the flesh. He says, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, which is what we've been reading about that occurred when we were baptized. We put to death the old self. And he says, and your members to God. He says, present your members to God, the members of your body, as instruments for righteousness. My body is given to God. I am a living sacrifice. That's the point that we read about in Romans chapter 12, 1 through 2. I've given myself to Him. Those temptations and the things that are around me, I'm going to do whatever I can. I'm going to do what Romans chapter 13 and verse 14 says and make no provision for the flesh. I'm not going to surround myself with temptation. I'm going to lean upon God for strength. And then he says here, for sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law but under grace. Since you've been saved by grace, God has given you blessings. He's given you a way to escape. We read about that in 1 Corinthians 10 verses 12 to 13 where there in 1 Corinthians 10, 12, and 13, that God always provides a way of escape and so that we may endure it. We can escape and we can endure. But how do we do that? And again, it comes back to us the way that we, the way that we are devoted to God. And to go on and get ahead of myself in the, in the weeks coming, what I encourage you to do, if you're struggling with temptation, you're struggling with the sin, and it seems compulsive, so I would tell you to make sure that you're reading your Bible. But not just lightly reading it. If you read, let's take an example here, Galatians 2 and verse 20. I would encourage you to read it, and then read it again, and you read it until you're strengthened. And that you pray, and you pray through the text. Pray through the scriptures. Pray as you're reading it. That's what I love about our singing, because a lot of times our songs will be more than just speaking to one another, which is what our singing is for, but it's also to speak to God. And so we're praying, and we're praying what is according to God's Word and according to His will. And there's a strength to that. And in Ephesians 5 
In verse 18, we read there, it says, Do not be filled with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then he goes on right after that in verse 19 and say, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. There's a need there. There's a great, there's a wonderful reason why we gathered on the first day of the week and as Christians we're worshiping. Because when we partake of the Lord's Supper, when we read Scripture, when we're praying together, when we're doing these things, when we're singing together, there is a strength there. And I hope that you know that strength and that you use that strength that is from God, that power that is from God throughout your life because God has given you freedom from sin. We're going to read more about this. We're going to read a number of scriptures about this in the, in the next uh, at least next Sunday, and I hope the one after that as well. But how does sin come to rule in the body and make someone obey it? You know, I think about Adam and Eve in the garden without sin. But they took of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then sin became manifest in there, in that knowledge that they have. There was a, a weakness of the body. So that those who sin, that sin came to live within them. These are the things that we read here. Sin comes to rule in the body in that way in which we give into it. Let's continue reading here in Romans chapter 6, 15 and 16. It says, What then? Are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace? By no means. Should I sin because God's given me His grace and by faith He forgives me of all my sins and as long as it's, it's okay, He's going to forgive me? And the Bible continues to tell us a number of places like Hebrews 10 and verse 26 that if we continue in sin, we give up that. We give up the sacrifice of Christ. We can't do that. He says, do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one of whom you obey? So Paul's emphasis here is don't even do that in the first place. If you're not committing yourself and giving yourself as a servant of God, you're giving yourself as a servant to sin, to wickedness, to evil, to control you. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one of whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? Which one do you choose? We keep reading here, verses 17 through 19. This is what we see. Paul says, but thanks be to God. And I love it when he says that. In the context, and, when he, and he gives you the picture of the struggle, of what we endure, and the temptations that we face as Christians, he says, but thanks be to God. He says that you were once slaves of sin, but now you've been, you've been set free. He says you have become obedient from the heart, and that's what matters. That your heart is com committed to obedience to God, to the standard of teaching of which you are committed. And having been set free from sin, you have become slaves of righteousness. My life now is to live in righteousness, to live the way that God has told me and instructed me to do I've got to commit myself. That's the first decision here when we're reading through Romans 6 through 8. It's the first thing you have to do is give yourself completely to God. I am His servant. Paul says, I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. There's weaknesses in the flesh. He says, for just as you were once presented your members as slaves to impurity, you once presented yourselves as servants to doing wickedness and purity. This word is often used with sexual impurity. And to lawlessness, which leads to more lawlessness. So now present your members as slaves to God, to righteousness, leading to sanctification. So this is the beginning. You've been justified. You've been saved by God's grace. You've been raised up from baptism. What do you do now? You face temptations. What do you do? And the Bible says that we thank God for this because it leads to sanctification. What is sanctification? It is the process in which God makes you holy. 
And that I'm going to take time and I'm going to pray and I'm going to study for the strength to be holy. This is not for any lazy person. This means I'm committed as a servant to God. You ever felt enslaved to something? We've been talking about this the whole time, and, and as we see here, if you want to look at this passage, you haven't looked at it yet. Romans chapter 7, 14 through 19 gives us a description of that. The sin in the flesh, controlling, enslaving, and captivating. I think many of us know this. We know what it's like to uh, be tempted with these, these kind of things. We know what it's like. We've experienced it before. Paul even said you were once enslaved to these sins. How do you overcome them? We're going to continue to read and find out. But Romans 6, verses 20 to 23, as we conclude the chapter, this is what we read. He says, but you are slaves of sin, but you are free in regards to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting in that time from the things which you are now ashamed? You think about that? Those who continue to struggle with sin, control for, you, you struggle with giving in to wickedness. Are you ashamed of those things? You know, you can tell someone who's in rebellion against God because they don't want to be ashamed of them, they take pride in their sin. But if you're ashamed of them, then you can have godly sorrow that leads to repentance. And he says here, you were ashamed in those things, but now what's the end of it? He says, for the end of those things is death. You don't want any part of that. You don't want a part of the shame. You don't want the death that's at the end of it. You've been delivered from that. And he says, but now that you have been set free from sin... You've been set free from sin. Why? Because when you were baptized, you didn't have to balance out the scale of your sins. God wiped them all away. The blood of Christ washed them away. You've been freed from them. Don't go back to them. And he says you have become slaves. You've become bondservants of God. And the fruit now, the fruit you get leads to sanctification. Now you have this blessing from God because you're a Christian. Remember what Acts 2 verse 38 tells us? It says Peter commanded right there, repent, be baptized, every one of you. In the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive what? The gift of the Holy Spirit. You'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. As we read throughout the Bible, we see that the Holy Spirit is the one who sanctifies, who makes us holy. He does so through the Word which He has revealed to us. The fruit you get leads to sanctification. This process of holiness, in the end of it, is eternal life. I want that. I want that holiness. I want that sanctification. And I know I have it promised to me by God. And if I continue to read here in the Scriptures, I see how to do that. He says, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that's how Paul concludes Romans chapter 6. How are Christians free from sin when so many are enslaved to it? I continue to hear of the statistics of specific sins and how rampant they are among churches, among those who claim to be Christians. We know what it's like to be tempted. Everybody in here will constantly be tempted. We also know the freedom of it. We also know the power that God has given to us, hopefully. But there are so many in the church that are struggling with this. It needs to be preached on. It needs to be emphasized. There's a reason why it is emphasized from throughout the New Testament, from Matthew to Revelation. You continue to read about how we are delivered from sin and what we need to do. I'm afraid there are some who say by their own free will they'll do this. If they just put limitations and a perimeter about, around them, if they just had accountability, then that's going to stop the sin. What does the Bible say? 
What does the, what does the scripture say about being freed from these sins? What can believers do to be free when they have sin living in their flesh? That's the question. That's what we're going to continue to answer in the next few weeks. But Romans chapter 7, verses 5 through 6, they give us a little bit that is coming up. Paul says in Romans 7, 5 through 6, he says, For while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions, aroused by the law, were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. What's he saying? You have sinful passions. They were working when we were living in the flesh. They were working in our flesh that's in our members of our body. To bear fruit in the end of it is death. He says, but now we're released from the law. Released from the condemnation. Having died to that which has held us captive. We're dead to it. We put an end to it. We started on that first step. And now we're entering into the process of God making us holy. He says, so that we... Notice this, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. Do you know what that means? We serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. What did the law do? The law would say, you shall not covet. And then you realize, I covet, I desire, I do wrong. Paul talks about that in Romans chapter 7. I covet. Word covet there, epithumia, is also translated as uh, to lust or to, to have desire, sinful passions as he's mentioned here. He says we don't serve in that old way. Yeah, the law condemns the sin, but the Scripture says because the, wall, the law is weak and the flesh is weak, the only way to be delivered from this is in the new way of the Spirit. In Ephesians 3 and verse 16, Paul prays. He says that by God's power, he prays that all Christians be strengthened by the Holy Spirit. The last passage I want to look at this morning is from Galatians 5, 16 through 17. And we're going to look at this a little bit further and what's taught here and expand upon it in the weeks to come. But in Galatians 5, the apostle writes, verses 16 through 17. He says, I say to you, walk by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. What does that mean? I think the clearest things I can tell you to do is, I know this is revealed by God's Holy Spirit. Scriptures, the Bible. And then I want to be strengthened by God every day. So what am I going to do? I'm going to read. I'm going to focus on these things. I'm going to make observations. I'm going to set my mind on the Spirit. I'm going to pray through the Scriptures. Because I want God's strength. I'm going to make sure that I'm around other Christians. That we're edifying one another and build one, in, one another up. I know where my strength comes from. I'm not going to rely on myself. I'm going to rely on God and the strength that He gives to me through His Word. And I think every, any mature Christian in here knows that. That you wouldn't have any strength to overcome sin unless God had given it to you. Unless God had blessed you with it. Because it's not in our flesh. And it's not in the old law. It's in the Gospel of Christ. And it's by walking in the Spirit. He says... But I say to you, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. You pick one. If your desire, and you'll know this, you know the strength of God when your desires become diligently focused upon God and not upon yourself. He says, for these are opposed to each other from keep, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. I want to do what God wants me to do. And I want to submit to His Holy Spirit. 
And I want the Word of God to live within me and dwell within me and to control my life, to give me the power and strength to face temptation. I encourage you this morning. If you've been struggling with sin, you need prayer. We want to pray with you. If you've been living in sin because you have not become a Christian, you haven't been united with Christ like we read in Romans chapter 6 today, you haven't been united with Christ in baptism, you need to die to your old self, confessing faith in Jesus Christ that he rose from the dead, and that bearing that old person in baptism, you will be forgiven of all your sins. All sins will be washed away, Colossians 2 and verse 13. God does the work. He raises us from baptism. He gives us the strength and the ability. All of it is by his grace. Whatever your needs are this morning, you can become a Christian. You can put on the gospel of Christ. You can take to heart this passage right here, which was a part of what our reading on the Lord's Supper, because God loves us even while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. I encourage you, whatever your needs are, come right now. Let's sing together.